First Timothy, the sixth chapter. First Timothy six. It's verse 10, 610. Says, For the love of money is the root of all evil. One translation says, root of all kinds of evil. Which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. What is the root of the evil? The love of money. Now you hear, and have you heard people misquote this and say money is the root of all evil? Just like the Bible said, money is the root of all evil. Well, that's not true. The Bible does not say money is the root of all evil. What does it say? The love of money. And sometimes people say, well, you know, you just kind of mincing words there. It all goes together. No, no, no. No, it, it is not the same at all. There are a lot of people that have very little money that have a lot of love of money. You can have no money and be full of the love of money. All you think about is money that you don't have and stuff that you want and things that you want to do that you don't have the money to do. You don't have to have any money to love money. And on the other hand, if that's true, then why couldn't it also be true and possible that you had a lot of money and stuff, but you didn't love it? You just saw it for what it is, just stuff, a means to get things done, and a tool to help and bless people, right? But you don't love it. No, the love of money is not based on how much you have or don't have. And it's not the money that's the problem, it's the love of it. And in talking about these things, we've exhorted and said, you know, don't, don't say I love my car. I love my house. I love my new clothes, my new dress, my, my ring, my watch. I love, don't use that word because you're not supposed to love stuff. Well, you know, I, I don't mean anything by it. You know what? No, no. Do you know what you mean? It's not okay. You're supposed to love the Lord, love people. Not stuff. Not stuff. Said out loud, I love the Lord. I love people. I don't love stuff. I don't love things. I don't love money. So you, you can enjoy things. You can be thankful for things, but don't love it. Don't love it. The love of money is the root of all evil. Uh, as we said, there are two big reasons that we've been talking about this series. Would you be turning to Proverbs 13 while I'm saying this? Proverbs 13, if you'd go to there. We've entitled this series, Would Jesus Wear a Rolex? <laughs> and if you haven't been with us prior to this, we've already covered a lot of ground. We're, we're towards the end of this series. And so uh, if you want the full thing, you, you should go, go online, download it, or go back to the Word Supply after the service, pick up the CDs or DVDs, no charge. 
and get caught up because it is a significant thing that we're discussing here. How many believe it is? Amen. This is important. And uh, we found out that a whole lot of people are cloaking their own covetousness with a fake concern for the poor. And if you don't understand what that means, well, you, you need to get the teachings. You need to get caught up. And there are people that despise other people's prosperity. And there's some folk that feel very strongly about these things. I had somebody at a meeting I was at, oh, this has been earlier part of this year. And they very defiantly, they said, well, how, how can you or anybody else Somebody drive a $100,000 car and uh, people are starving to death in the world. Well, how can you drive a $10,000 car and people starving to death in the world? <laughs> Same thing. Oh, no, no, it's not. If I had a lot of money, I'd do so. No, according to Jesus, you'd do exactly what you're doing with what you got right now. And would Jesus wear a Rolex? We've covered it. There were no Rolexes in his day. <laughs> right? But there were expensive things that not everybody had and luxurious items that most folks didn't have and would not have. And on more than one occasion, he received very expensive personal gifts. On one occasion, you remember that Lazarus' sister brought an alabaster box of ointment. The Bible said very expensive. We figured up it's probably worth about $20,000 maybe. And she just broke it and dumped the whole thing on his feet. And Judas exclaimed and said, what a waste. What a waste. What? Wasted on Jesus. This could have been sold and given to the poor. Now, some people, I guess, they think Jesus said that. But it wasn't Jesus that said that. It was Judas that said that. And he went on to say this. He said not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. What was he so upset about? That the money is already gone. And he's not going to get a chance to get his hands on it. And yet he knows that's wrong, so he covers it up by saying, it could have been given to the poor. And these folk that are talking that, they're the same way today. Same way. If these folks really cared about the poor, they wouldn't be judging other people. They'd be doing something for the poor. Doing things for the poor is an exceedingly good thing. And we're going to talk about it. But the most important thing of all is the preaching of the gospel. Right. It's good to help a man or woman, feed them, clothe them, help them through a time. But they need to know more than that. They need to know they've got a provider. Yes. Come on now. And it's not you. Yes. Don't let anybody make you their provider. Everybody's got the same God. Everybody's got the same provider. And he's no respecter of persons. What he's done for one, he'll do for another. Right. Do you believe it? Yep. It's the truth. Now, did you find Proverbs 13? Yep. 
and 10. 13.10, if y'all put it up on the screen for us, what does it say? Only by pride comes contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Are there some contentious folks around? They want to judge. They want to fuss. They want to argue. They want to get upset. They want to get indignant because of what you spent on your carpet <laughs> or your house. They, they want to get aloof and act superior. Contentious. How does contention come? Only by pride. Read it again. 13.10, what does it say? Only by pride comes contention. You know, even if you don't agree with somebody, if you have some sense and you're not a judge but you're a doer, you don't try to force them to do anything. You're not trying to demand. You're not trying to judge them. You just go, well, okay, that's what you believe. Fine, I love you anyhow. And you don't have to be contentious. Like Brother Hagin, my father in the faith, used to say all the time, you can disagree without being disagreeable. Amen. I had a fellow one time, he was telling me all this stuff. He said, he, and I said, uh-huh, okay, yeah, yeah. He said, so you understand? I said, yeah, yeah. He said, so you agree? I said, no. <laughs> he looked at me like, he thought he had me, I guess, you know, because I kept saying I understood. He said, well, you said you understood. I said, I think I do. He said, but you don't agree? I said, no. Smile. <laughs> you don't have to be ugly to disagree, do you? How does contention come? By pride. Pride is involved when people are so adamant and so pushy and so judgmental and contentious. Pride's involved. And uh, the pride that's going on here, in some cases, the cases we're describing, there is a pride of poverty. Did you know that? You ever heard the saying, we're poor, but we're proud. Well, you know, those are two bad conditions. <laughs> we're poor, but we're proud. I may not have much, but I got my pride. <laughs> you don't need it. You need to be delivered from it. <laughs> we're poor, but we're proud. God will deliver you from both those conditions. <laughs> Did you know it? You, instead of being poor and proud, you could be humble and rich. Which would you rather be? <laughs> Neither one of those conditions, poor or proud, pleases the Lord at all. He hates pride. Did you know it? The proud, pride is an abomination to him, the scripture says. I mean, it's a strong thing. We use this word pride all over the place, but it's not a good word. Well, I'm proud of my kids. I don't care what nobody says. You need to change. Well, that went over like a lead balloon. When Jesus 
was spoken to by the Father out of heaven, what did he say? This is my beloved son. I'm proud of him. <laughs> I'm well pleased. Thankful, pleased, proud. No, because proud of your kids is self-pride because they're your kids. And it's not okay. I'm proud to be an American. Not okay. <laughs> be thankful. Huh? But not proud. Proud has to do with superiority. And that's what people are proud of their poverty. They think, well, I may not have as much money as they've got, but I got this and I got that and I got the other. Uh, we got love in our family and, and I got this and I got that. How do you know they don't have it? <laughs> and if you do have anything good that they don't have, lack didn't give it to you. <laughs> Poverty didn't give it to you. There are a number of people that think that being poor and having little some way or another makes them spiritually superior. And they're proud of it. And they, they look down their nose. They're actually prejudiced against wealthy people. Prejudice against people with means and stuff. And they feel like they're superior to them they have to, they couldn't be spiritual as us. We may be poor, but we know the Lord. You don't know the Lord because you're poor. <laughs> Being poor doesn't make you to know the Lord. Some people have the idea that being poor somewhere or another makes them godly. And this is, you know, nowhere is this considered to be more true than with preachers. Right? Preachers that are really holy and godly would have to be poor. This is still widely believed, isn't it? It's like it's some kind of unwritten qualification for the ministry. <laughs> you got to be broke. If you had anything, it's obvious you're not very spiritual. Because if you were spiritual, you'd just hardly have anything. We, we should be talking about being godly. Is being poor godly? But what is being godly? Being godly is being like God. Whether you knew it or not, God is not poor. <laughs> What's the revelation, right? I mean, God is not poor. So how is being poor godly? But we're living with centuries of error being taught from the pulpits. In the churches, people, if they didn't come right out and say it, they left the impression. And that if you're really close to God, you're not going to have any stuff. You're not going to have much money. And people have sung songs for years. I don't want any of this old world's goods. Just give me a little cabin in the corner of Glory Land. Unscriptural, ungodly stuff. But people act like, oh, you're talking about the song. 
I'd send the hymnal. <laughs> I'd send the hymnal, Brother Keith, number 136. <laughs> we used to sing it at least once a month. I had a lady come to me one time after uh, a service, and, and she was uh, unhappy with me about something. And she said, well, you said so-and-so and so-and-so. And she said, but you know, it's just like the song says. I said, huh? She said, it's like the song says. I, like, I said, like what says? She said, well, it's just like the song. I said, sister, that's not Bible. She looked at me, yeah, but it's, it's the song. The traditions of men have made the word of God of none effect. <laughs> Go with me to 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter. There's a problem with this being proud of being poor. It's not based on truth. And when you try to live something that is not true, when you try to live something based on a lie, it cannot satisfy you. And so these people that are, that are trying to act like, you know, this is, I'm supposed to be poor. Some of us are supposed to be poor. If you really serve God, you are. Yet, when they look at what some things other people have, it, they're bitter and dissatisfied. And it grieves them to see other people enjoying things they say you shouldn't have and things they believe they'll never have, it grieves them. So they get bitter and judgmental. And they talk about what a waste and what that, what that money could do for the poor and what that money could do for the gospel. Bitter. Nobody is enjoying being poor. Nobody. Nobody's enjoying being sick. Nobody's enjoying being lost. Well, Brother Keith, are you saying that everybody in the world could prosper? Everybody in the world could be delivered from lack and debt and have plenty and enjoy nice things? Uh, no, no. Somebody else said it <laughs> a long time ago. I'm just repeating them. <laughs> Can I remind you a little bit? The Bible said, Deuteronomy 29, 9, don't try to turn to these, just listen. You'll keep the words of this covenant that you may prosper in all that you do. Deuteronomy 28 says, oh, if you'll hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, if you'll listen to him, all these blessings will come on you and overtake you. Blessed will you be in the city. Blessed will you be in the field. Blessed will be the fruit of your body, the fruit of the ground, the fruit of the cattle, increase of your kind, flocks of your sheep. Blessed shall be your basket and your store. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. I didn't say it. Somebody else did. Psalm 81 says, I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. 
He said, all that my people had listened to me and walked in my ways, he should have fed them with the finest of the wheat and honey out of the rock would I have satisfied you. The scripture says in 2 Chronicles, believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. Again and again, it says people, as long as they sought the Lord, he made them to prosper. The Bible said the God of heaven, he will prosper us. How many remember New Testament, 3 John 2, beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Job 36, 11 says, if they obey and serve him, they'll spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasure. Psalm 35, 27, let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. 1 Timothy 6.17, the living God gives us richly all things to enjoy. Isaiah 1.19, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Proverbs 10.22, the blessing of the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow with him. Are you saying that everybody, if they had just obey God and believe him, could have all their needs met and have plenty and even be rich? No, he said it. <laughs> right? Now this is the big issue. Is prosperity a part of the gospel? Yes. Many say no. Many say no. No, no, sometimes God will heal, but sometimes it's not his will. We say it's God's will to heal all. Some say no. God's, it's God's will to prosper some people and he has different reasons for it, but a whole lot of people, it's just not his will for to prosper, to have much, and, and he knows and, and his mysteries we don't understand. No, well, we don't believe that. We believe it's his will for all to prosper, all to be saved, all to be filled with the Spirit, all to be healed, all to prosper. Yeah, but Brother Keith, can't you see not everybody's prospering? Yeah, can't you see not everybody's born again? <laughs> that doesn't change the will of God. You don't find the will of God by looking around to see what people have or don't have. You find the will of God in the word of God and I just gave you scripture after scripture after scripture and if you don't believe that, then you choose to believe something other than the truth. And that's a problem. You choose to believe what you think, what you've experienced, what you haven't experienced. That's a problem. Second Corinthians, did you find it? Second Corinthians. The eighth chapter. Is prosperity really part of the gospel? Is it? You understand, millions say no. Millions of church going go to church like we are today in their churches, they don't believe this. They say, no, 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 no. Being born again, yeah, that's for everybody. 
Missing hell, yeah, that's for everybody. Being forgiven, that's for everybody. Healing, no. Not for everybody. Prosperity, definitely not. <laughs> for everybody. The good news, what is the gospel? The good news is that Jesus came and took our place and paid the price, yes. suffering in our stead yes. so we could receive what we did not deserve, right. what we did not earn. Right. We know he took our sins. We know he bore our iniquities. Some of us have found out he took our infirmities, yes. bore our sicknesses, yes. and carried our pains too. Yes. And a few of us are finding out he took our poverty when he took the rest of it. Are you reading 2 Corinthians 8? 2 Corinthians 8. I'm reading the Living Bible. You know how full of love and kindness our Lord Jesus was. Though he was so very rich, yet to help you he became so very poor so that by being poor he could make you rich. The easy to read says, you know that he gave up his heavenly riches for you. He gave up everything so you could be richly blessed. Did he become poor? Yes. So you could be poor? No. Why did he become sin? So you wouldn't be sin, you could be made righteous. Why did he take your infirmities, bore your sicknesses, carry your pains? Not so you could be sick, but so you could be healed. Why did he become poor? Not so you could be poor, stay poor, be poorer. How many believe the Bible now? I'm reading the New Testament. Unless you try to hyper-spiritualize this, read these two chapters. Read chapter eight and nine carefully. He's talking about money. He's talking about offerings. He's talking about things and right in the middle of it, he says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus. How he was so rich, and he was. We don't know rich like he was. In heaven, he was so rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor. So that us, we, through his poverty, might be rich. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. Is this the gospel? Did you know that Jesus got persecuted for preaching the gospel? Did you know people hated him for what he preached? Some people were glad to hear it and got delivered. Other people hated him. They wound up crucifying him. And he said, if they hated me, don't be shocked and surprised when they hate you and they find fault with you. Are you willing to suffer some persecution for the gospel? For believing that it's God's will for all to be saved and all to be healed and all to prosper. I mean, if the whole world was agreeing with us and leaving us alone, it'd be a bad sign. <laughs> right? It'd be a bad sign. No, so don't be shocked when we go, oh, no, no, that's not right. That's not right. It is right. God's a good God. He'll forgive everybody. He'll heal everybody. He'll prosper everybody. It's his will. It's his will. Not everybody will agree. Not everybody will like it. All that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And he said those that sow and leave things for the kingdom of God, they'll reap a hundredfold now in this time with persecutions. Right? 
Paul said, you know, if I quit preaching the cross, then the offense had ceased. I wouldn't be preaching the cross anymore. No, there's going to be persecution when you really preach the gospel. And we're proclaiming it. Stand up on your feet and say, I am not ashamed, I am not ashamed of, the gospel. of the gospel. Say it again, I am not ashamed, I am not ashamed of, the gospel. of the gospel. Say it again, I, I am not ashamed, not ashamed of, the gospel. of the gospel. Glory to God. Is there a gospel to the poor? Yes. Is there good news to the poor? Yes. What motivation is there for the poor if we say, hey, it's probably God's will for you to be poor? <laughs> We're all poor. Come join us and stay poor. Where's the good news in that? Right? Oh, but to say the Lord Jesus became poor so you could be rich, that's good news. I said, that's good news. It hasn't been preached enough and it hasn't been believed enough and it hasn't been proclaimed enough. People have made excuses and people have judged and people have found fault and people have criticized and they've been contentious out of pride. But make up your mind, not me, not me. I'm not judging anybody. Their money is their business. What they do with it is their business. They'll stand before the Lord, not me, about their stuff. So I'm going to take care of my own business. And I'm going to believe God it's his will for me to prosper and everybody to prosper and just be happy and be blessed and believe God to be enriched so I can do a lot for the kingdom, so I can do a lot for the poor, so I can do a lot for other people. Glory to God. Lift up your hands. Begin to praise the Lord. Oh, Father, we bless your holy name. We give you thanks for your exceeding great goodness to us and to ours. Thank you. Somebody say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.